Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ still shines. Go ahead and stand with me if, if you would. Thank you so much for being here. If you want to open up your Bibles, John chapter 6, verse uh, verse 35. We're going to get to that here in a second. Welcome. Doesn't it feel like fall? The leaves are turning, cool air. It was cold this morning when we got here, but we love that kind of stuff. Some of you guys are like, I've been waiting for it to get cold a long time, man. Don't ruin it. Hey, it's pullover season. You don't know if I have my shirt ironed or not ironed. <laughs> That's the reason why you wear it, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, welcome to our series, At the Table. It's, we're going to do this three-part series, and we're very excited about it. And uh, I'm telling you, God's got a table prepared for us, doesn't he? He sure does. But we're going to be preparing a lot of tables over the next couple months here, too, aren't we? <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about all that. But here, John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That sounds like good news, doesn't it? Father, our hearts are bowed to you. Thank you for your grace, your goodness, your mercy. Holy Spirit, enlighten our hearts, we pray, as we read your word. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, everyone says? Amen, amen. amen. Please be seated. Go ahead and wave at your neighbor. We're a friendly church. Thank you for standing with us. We love to stand together and pray and read God's word. We certainly do appreciate that. However you're streaming, thank you for being a part of our service today. Now, as I was preparing this, and, and I just, my heart is simple. I, I remember growing up as a, as a teenager and a young boy and that type of things, and I always looked forward to the holidays. I always looked forward to the spread that we had out on the table, and I always looked forward to the, the time with, with brothers and sisters and, and um, you know, grandparents and all these type of things that we know are a part of it. And it was just, it was awesome. But there's one thing that I always learned about the table that I noticed about the table. It, what happened at the table typically didn't change. The table just got bigger. I remember when Susie got married. Or actually, I remember when Chris got married, my oldest brother. Then Susie got married. And then Shannon got married. And then Mark got married. And then I, then I got married. And, and we just continued to get bigger and bigger. And I think mom and dad have somewhere around 13, 14 grandkids. So they have to remortgage their house when they buy Christmas. <laughs> Uh, but, but I remember, the, and, and what happened, the fellowship, the exchange, the love, the grace, all that goodness that you wanted to happen in, the food, you got to love the food, right? All that didn't change, but what did change was just the size of the table. And that's really how we want the kingdom of God to be. You know, the kingdom of God doesn't change, amen? We just want it to grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and this, as we pursue this next couple months here, what I want to encourage you on is use the opportunities that you're going to have. You're going to be around people that you haven't seen for a while. You're going to be with people that you haven't seen. Maybe some people that you don't know. And it's a great opportunity to shine the light of Jesus Christ into their life. And here, as we read John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus puts it in words that we can understand who he is. We can all relate to food on some level. And he says, listen, I am the bread of life. And he said, if you drink of me, you'll never grow thirsty again. What was he saying? I'm the one who can satisfy what you need, what you're looking for. But in order for that to happen, we come to his table, don't we? We can't go to somebody else's table. We can't go to another source. We have to go to Jesus' table. And you know what? Jesus wants you at his table, doesn't he? Absolutely. And as we read today and we study, we're going to end up in Matthew chapter 9, 
But it, and we'll get there here in a bit, but I just want to visit with you a little bit about my heart about the table and the importance of the table and some other things. See, the table represents so much. You can't go through the Old and New Testament without seeing multiple times that people sit down at the table and they share a meal and wonderful things happen. So many times we look in the New Testament and we see Jesus going from place to place to place and sharing meals with his disciples and, and different people, and it's encouraging. And as we go into this season, what I want to encourage us and build us on is don't lose the opportunity that you're going to have. Don't lose the opportunity that Christ has put you in the midst of. Yeah, sometimes it's going to be weird. We're going to have some of those relatives. There's a reason why we don't talk to them but once a year, right? There's some of those friends, the reason why we don't talk to them but once a year we all have, have that person. But remember, it's God's table, not our table. And he's provided the bounty at the table. And the first thing, the first thought that came to my mind is that the table is a special place. The table is a special place. The table is a place where we gather. The, 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 the table is a place where we get satisfied, whether it's physically or spiritually. And there's two different tables, but they're really one and the same. I know that we're about to um, you know, put a lot of things on tables as far as food and eat together. And that's the physical side. And listen, that's really important. Family gatherings and friends and coming together and being grateful and thankful. All that's important. Amen. But there's also the very strong spiritual side of this, that whenever we come into the sanctuary and we sit at the table of God, because if He is, which He is the bread of life, and if we drink of Him, we'll never be thirsty again, then the reason why you're compelled, the reason why you come in, is because there's something inside of you saying, I've got to get to church. And that's awesome. Because there's a place inside of you know that cannot be filled outside of Jesus Christ. So whether you're in Sunday school or in the children's hall or shaking hands out there in the sanctuary with us, you're compelled to come unto this place and sit at the table of the Lord and say, God, feed me today. I know I have something in my life that only you can meet. I know I have something in my heart that only you can feel. So Holy Spirit, speak to me today. And it's a special place. It's a, it's a place that we find fellowship and togetherness and love and joy and truth. It's where families come together and we grow strong. It's a place where friends meet, a place where lifelong relationships start because the table is a special place. It's a place where, where things are laid aside and work pauses and our, our focus is put on one another. And I know that the table has changed. It's really <laughs> done some changing over the years, hadn't it? I know growing up, uh, eating supper together, I don't even know if people use the word supper anymore, but eating dinner together at night, you know, five, six o'clock, we would all gather around the table and we would do it as a family. Well, my lifestyle was much different than the one that I grew up in, and I can't guarantee that every night we're going to be gathered around the table eating. Sometimes I'm gathered around the nacho stand at the ballpark, you know, shoving nachos, you know. Whenever you cut yourself and you bleed nacho cheese, that's probably too many nachos, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, I need to back off these dudes, you know. Or you go to the concession stand, you look, and you just walk away, and I don't want anything, you know. It means, you know, and you, you guys know what I'm talking about. I know that dinner table looks different for everyone and restaurants and this type of thing, but just know that it's still a great place to be. It's still a great place to be. It's a place where we lay things aside and things pause. It's a, it's a place where dates begin. How many of you guys, your first date with your spouse or the second date or the third date included food, included a table, included that special moment? It's a, it's a place where proposals happen and big announcements are shared. It's a place where we celebrate birthdays and celebrate weddings and the holidays. It's a special place. It's a place where the moments of silence are shared for the loved ones who have gone on. It's a place where we pause and remember all that we're blessed with. 
It's that special place. It's a place where prayers that are given by children, you know, move the very heart of God because as they look at what they're seeing, they realize the blessings in their life, and God loves that. It's a place that symbolizes so much. You can take a birthday cake or a cake of an anniversary and set it on a table and put one candle in it and light it. And that means more than 100 words could say over and over and over again. As you look and you see your family as you see all of them surrounding you and you realize that this is a special place. It's a place where people really open up their hearts and their lives. How many of you guys have shared a meal with somebody and maybe you didn't know them? Maybe you did. And over a meal, all of a sudden, you found something in their life that was causing them to stumble. You uncovered a hurt. You uncovered something that would help them later on get through what they were getting through because it's a special place. It's a place that we gather. It's a place that our, our guard can drop and we can become vulnerable. The table is not just something to be scoffed at or mocked at, but it's something that is sacred. It's a very, very special place. The table is also a place of, a, of power. It's a powerful place. It, it, if you think about the table, the table brings all generations together. As you celebrate the holidays or you celebrate birthdays or weddings or whatever it is and you look at anniversaries and you look at it and you say, wow, there's four or five different generations that have gathered around the table because it's a powerful place. What other thing brings generations together on common ground? See, that's what makes it so powerful. It speaks a very common language we all need to eat, right? We all love food. Do I got anybody who loves some pecan pie in here? Yeah, I love pecan pie. I don't know why, but I love pecan pie. I'll, I'll switch it out. My wife is a pumpkin. Who's a pumpkin pie eater in here? Yeah, who's both of them? I'll just, just throw it on the plate, put some vanilla ice cream. I'll make it work. Don't worry about it. Yes. But it's that common language that we all share together. And that's what makes it such a powerful place. And don't forget that whenever you go into this holiday season and you get the opportunity to sit down at a table with friends and loved ones and people you really care about, let's think, man, this is a powerful place. This is a place that brings us together. And what can we do in this moment? It's a, it's a, think about this. It's a place where conversations just seem to pick up. How many of you guys have shared a meal with a friend that you haven't talked to in a couple years? And then you share a meal with them. And then all of a sudden you pick up on the conversation as if you just left it yesterday. It's a powerful place. So the tables that we're preparing, the, the tables of the sanctuary, the tables of the church, if you will, but also the tables of our home are extremely powerful. They're a place that can bring us all together. It's a place where we can just relax and be ourselves. If a little bit of gravy gets on our beard and drips down on our shirt, that's okay, right? We can, <laughs> it's, it's okay, it's a place that we can relax, and that's a very powerful thing. How many times are, are there, how many places are there in our current lifestyles where we just relax? And we kick back. Chill. Just going to be me. It's a powerful place, isn't it? So not only is it a special place and a powerful place, but we also see that it is place of opportunity it's a special place it's a powerful place but it's also a place of opportunity it's a place that we can share and we can inspire and we can love and we can create it's a place that we sit down with our children and begin to teach them some manners how many of you guys know some kids that can have a little bit more manners oh we all know that right we've been to walmart <laughs> but it's that place of opportunity 
It's that place that we can sit down and you've been longing to get that person to eat a hamburger or french fries with you because you know that you've been trying to encourage them and inspire you and inspire them and finally they said yes and you're like today is the day man today is the day that I can build a little bit bigger bridge I can build into their life I can influence them I can encourage them I can inspire them but at the same time it's very much that way with us too isn't it we have a men's group that meets on Thursdays and Saturdays the second um, Thursday and Saturday of every month and we meet at Jimmy's Egg and I didn't go this Thursday I heard it was great this Saturday morning I did go and it's at 7 a.m. and I'm telling you that group of guys that I was with just encouraged me it just it, they shared with me and and Daryl brought a great devotion and and that's that's the place of opportunity we come together and it's like iron sharpens iron and we stand together and we know that we need to do things for God amen sometimes we just need that a little bit of encouragement I don't always need to know what to do sometimes I know what I need to do I just need somebody to tell me Matt you need to go do it yeah. right and that iron sharpens that iron and it's that place of opportunity. So as we talk about the table, as we talk about the table of the Lord, as we even talk about the tables at your houses, remember, this is a place of great opportunity. Some of the people that you've prayed and cried and sought God for will be at the house for the holidays. You'll be around them. And this is your opportunity. But we can't get weighed down and bogged down by all the stuff that so easily entangles us, huh? And we lose focus and say, God, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, I'm still the light of the world. So if I'm at a table eating, I'm the light of the world. If I'm shopping for the food, I'm the light of the world. You guys need to remember that, okay? When somebody snatches that last turkey, I'm still the light of the world, all right? Went to Walmart and shopping, I'm telling you. Drive fast and keep your head down, okay? You guys know what I mean. But we're still the light of the world no matter where we go or what we do. And that place at that table is very special. Hold it sacred. I'm finding this really quick, and, and my 11-year-old, my, my wife, we're finding this very, that change, change really fast. You spin around once, and the kids are five, you spin around twice, and they're 13, 14, you spin around again, and just, right? Yeah. So we hold that sacred, and we realize that this is a place that's, that, that's very special, that's very, it's a place of opportunity, it's a place of power. And I want to empower you this morning. Don't, don't look at this as, oh, the holidays are coming, or, oh, I've got to do this, or, oh, I've got to do that. No, let's get in there and say, listen, this is going to be a great opportunity what God is going to do through this household this holiday season. If you would open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. We're going to see what Jesus did. And this was my question that I asked myself, and I hope this is going to encourage you. God, I want my table to look like your table. I don't want my table to look like what I think my table needs to look like. But if I'm going to be truly effective... And let's be real here. If some of us are just going to be able to sustain the holiday season, right? Oh, man. Whenever you feel it and you're excited and you're pumped and here we go, and then December 1st rolls around and December 15th, you're thinking, I'm ready for January 1st, baby. Let's get here, you know? But how do we sustain that? How do we go through that? And part of the great secret, I believe, is three observations that I want to share with you in this story of what our table can look like so that we represent what Christ's table looked like. Here in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 through 13, And Jesus passed from there, and he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat 
with tax collectors and sinners. And if you think about that, man, tax collectors were not very liked. I mean, they have their own people group. It's like, okay, here's sinners, and then here's the heathen, the tax collectors, right? Okay? And we all have categories like that. We're like, I can stand that person. This person over here, I don't. Okay, I'll move on, move on. Go learn what this means. So he's talking. The Pharisees ask him, why does he do this? And he says, go learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but the sinner. And we see him at this place where he walks by a tax booth. And this man named Matthew is there and he goes, follow me. And it was such an incredible moment. Because he just laid down what he was doing and he followed Christ and he went to the house that night for this feast, for this banquet, if you will. And I was thinking to myself what Matthew must have felt that he was compelled. He had something inside of him whenever he met Christ that he hadn't felt that would cause him to pick up and say, whatever I'm doing can wait. I've got to go see what this man has to say. And in one way, I've never felt the way that I felt in the presence of of this man. And I pray for every one of us, including myself, God, this holiday season, as I sit down and I celebrate at the table, that people sitting around me would say, I feel something that I don't feel anywhere else. When I come to this home, when I sit with these people, I feel something that I don't feel anywhere else. But we know it can be fatiguing, it can be difficult, so we have to make sure that our focus stays set and the table is important. One of the things that we can do with our table is understanding that everyone is welcome at the table of Christ, aren't they? Everyone is welcomed at the table of Christ. If we look into this story, we see tax collectors, we see sinners, and we even see his disciples, and then all of a sudden they have a, a visitor, it looks like, the Pharisees and the scribes. Oh, he's happy to see those guys, you know? You guys got some people like that in your life. Like, I wish they wouldn't drop by. <laughs> But it doesn't, bother to, it doesn't bother Christ because everyone is welcomed at his table. Now, I can't say the Pharisees and scribes came in and eat, but what I can say is that they were there while they were doing all of it, and Christ did not tell them to leave and get away. Everyone's welcome at the table of our Lord and Savior. This is a thought. This is a thought. We know that even our enemies need Jesus too. The enemy of Jesus needs Jesus. And we were all once enemies of Christ because we weren't saved. And if we're not on his side, we're not on his side. We're the enemy. But even the enemies need Christ. And as you prepare your tables, your Sunday school classrooms, your opportunities of engagement, the people that you invite into your house, making sure that we understand that God... Everyone is welcome. And it's a, it's a lovely spirit that we see. We see the very nature of God in this story. We see something that we should want to grasp and adopt into our life and say, God, I want to make sure that hospitality is key. That if I invite somebody, that if they come, God, that they see you and they don't see me. Because that's true hospitality. And we see a compelling spirit here from God that all men would come. He knew about the tax collectors and the sinners and the disciples. I mean, all these were different peoples from different places, and they had their own problems and their own situations. But he said, listen, everyone is welcome. There's a feast that's talked about in Luke chapter 4. It's the parable of the great banquet, the great feast that is thrown. And we see this same spirit because Christ is sharing this story. He's sharing his story in Luke chapter 14, verse 23, is what we'll read here in a moment. But just to kind of catch you up, he's sharing a parable. 
And, and they're throwing a feast, and they've gone out to some people, and they've said, no, we've got this, this, this and going on. Then he went out to other people, and no, we have too much going on, we can't go. And they all came up with multiple reasons why they could not go and eat with the master of the feast. But what we see in Christ here is a spirit that compels him to go farther. Luke chapter 4, verse 23. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. That my table may be filled. That's what he's saying here. Because everyone is welcome at the table of Christ. And this is something that we must fight. Because we all have things in our life and people that we just prefer not to be around. Amen? But God is using us to reach them. It makes us feel uncomfortable. It puts us in a situation that we're not good at. We don't always have the answers for. In a lot of ways, that's a really good place to be because it's the Spirit of God that will speak through us and give us what to say in that moment as long as we're saying, God, I want that Spirit that's inside of you which compels. I mean, think about this. He says, go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. One of the things that Tanner does such a great job of going into the junior highs and high school, and I'm telling you, pizza compels teenagers. <laughs> it doesn't compel me so much anymore. I think I've ate a trainload of pizzas in my life. Well, aren't you just trying to trick them? No, we're trying to compel them. Yeah. Spend $10 on a pizza to preach the gospel? That might be the best $10 I've spent in my life. Somebody finds Christ or hears about him or thinks, man, I have hope and I've never had hope before. And that's what he's saying. Go out to the highways and byways and compel them to come in. You've got, some, you've got some family members and some friends that, that are very difficult to get along with that are kind of hard and they're kind of on the fringes. We don't have the luxury of sitting back and saying, well, if they'll come, they'll come. We've got to have that Spirit of God that compels us and say, hey, won't you? My door's open. Now, this is, I want to take some pressure off of you, though, because I know, I'm, you know I'm, I'm letting you have it. Not every time did Jesus always eat with the door wide open. There were certain, like, if you take the Last Supper, he ate with his disciples. Whenever he, was, he, he raised from the dead and he came back and he hadn't gone to heaven yet, what did he do? He was eating on the shore with a select group of disciples, right? So there are certain times in your life that sometimes we just have to close the door and say, listen, tonight's a family night. You know, or, 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 or this is a very special Thanksgiving or a very, Christmas thing, a very special Christmas dinner or whatever it is. So we're going we're gonna to kind of keep to us. But listen, we cannot live a life of that. You cannot run a ministry. You cannot run a Sunday school class. You cannot run things like that with that mentality. Christ did not have that mentality. He said, listen, I want my house to be full. And the way that you do that is you go out into places that people stop early. I want you to keep pressing in and going a little bit further. Because I want you to go out there and say, listen, you ain't never met anybody like I've met. you got to come find Jesus with me. And it's that spirit that Christ calls us to. And we're sitting in a great spot as we go into the new holiday, as we go into the holidays and we sit at the table. Because very few things compel as good as food compels. You said, uh, let there be free food and, and they'll come. I'm telling you, they'll come. But we use that and we, we want to be careful, but we have that spirit of God because at the table everyone is welcome. And I want to encourage you this morning, the person, that persons that, that, that you're struggling with, God's using you in their life because it's a whosoever, amen? 
It's a whosoever. And he's using us. The next thing that I see here as we continue, that there are needs at the table of Christ. As we come in here and we sit at the table of Christ or as, as you sit with your friends or your family or however, or however you do it, remember there are needs. Don't be ashamed because you have a need. Listen, we are needy people in some ways. Can I get an amen? Some more needy than others. But nonetheless, we all have needs in our life that can only be met through the Spirit of God. That's the reason why he said, listen, I am the bread of life. If you truly want to be satisfied, come eat and drink of me. Because he understood that we had a need in our life and we shouldn't be ashamed. And, and remember that table's a place where we can kind of be relaxed. We don't have to be something we're not. I've got some needs in my life, God. I've got some things that are not happening. Some things that are not jiving together, that are not working. And God, I need your help. If we look into the scripture, we look at the groups again. And we see the sinners and we see Matthew and we see other disciples. And we see the needs of the group. Some of them needed their eyes open. The sinners didn't know that they were sinners, but after they encountered Christ, hopefully they said, he's got something that I don't have, he's got something that I need. And then their eyes are open. To Matthew, obviously, to Matthew, he'd already had some kind of revelation as Christ walked back past the, the, the tax collector booth and said, follow me, and he laid down his stuff and he followed him. It makes me think that his need was revelation. I know you have something I don't have, but now I need to know what that something is. And that's when Christ looks at him and says, you need me salvation and, and revelation and then then you look at the disciples see not all of us that go to the table need more revelation need this need because we're all sinners and and we need to be saved again sometimes we eat at the table of god because we just need more don't we the disciples had already followed christ there were some of those disciples there that were already following christ and the reason why they were there because they wanted more of christ and that's the beautiful thing about the table is that it puts us in a place that, 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 that there's solidarity, if you will, at the table. That we all come together and we say, listen, God, we all need something. And we shouldn't be ashamed. Listen, don't isolate yourself and say, well, here I am again, God. Can you really do it? The answer is yes, and he wants to. But we've got to get to that point where, God, I believe you can do it, and I'm going to do what you say so I can get it done. Does that make sense? But I get to that point where I say, God, we all have needs. So yes, I'm going to be at the altar again. Yes, I'm going to pray again. Yes, I'm going to come to your table again and again and again and again. Because you are the source. I don't have to look anywhere else. Matter of fact, you've put something in my life that when I look to other things, I'm still unfulfilled. But when I look to you, I'm satisfied. And this is what I know as we sang about it this morning. A good, good father. Good, good fathers that you go to, if you're in need, they won't turn you away, will they? They'll do everything that they can to help you get out of the situation that you're in. To help you heal, to help you move forward, to help you do those things that we know that we need sometimes. In Psalms chapter 16, verse 5, we, we see the, the hope of the faithful here. So David's writing this in verse 5 of Chapter 16 of Psalms, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. And he's helping us understand something here that David's saying, Listen, God, you are my portion. You're the one. Remember when Christ said, I am the bread of life? Here it is. You are my portion. You're the one that I go to. When I'm, when I'm not satisfied, when I know that I need something, you're the one that, go, that I go to. Then he finishes and he says, and my cup. 
Remember, if you're thirsty, come drink of me. So David knew this. He said, listen, you're the one that I have to go to when I'm unsatisfied. You're the one that I have to go to when I'm thirsty and dry and parched. And listen to me, as we go on to the holiday seasons, well, holiday season, we're going to look at things, and it's just going to be difficult at times. It's going to be overwhelming, and we can easily become dry and crusty. But we have to go back to the Father's table and say, God, I'm here again. I need your cup. You are my portion. Because we all have needs. David lets us know this and that he says, you hold, you hold my lot. What is he saying? You hold my future. You hold my destiny. See, every one of us in here desires that destiny that only God can provide. That, that, that desires that future that only God can provide. So David is showing us that, listen, we all have needs whenever we come to the table of the Lord. So don't let that push you away. So this morning at the altar call or in your pew or on the way home, if God shows you a need that you have in your life, don't shy away from it. Don't think that you don't need to come down. No, God wants you to come down because he wants to be your supply. The reason why he wants to feel that thing, those things in our life is because his way doesn't lead to destruction. His way leads to eternal life, wholeness, health, the things that we need. So he's not trying to be our source because he's full of himself. He's trying to be our source because he knows it's the best thing for us. And that's a good, good father, isn't it? But we understand that when we come to the table, that we all have needs. In 100 B.C., we see paper being invented. In China, it's invented, but what's the need? Why, why is it invented? Well, they're trying to keep records. They're trying to write down things, and they don't know how to... They're trying to transcribe and do all these things. So through that process of a need, they develop paper. In 1493 or excuse me, in 1439, we see the Gutenberg Press is invented. And it revolutionized the world whenever it was invented. And many of you guys know this story. But it's interesting because the press was invented because of a need. They were wanting to push education out. They were wanting to push the Word of God out even more fluent in the world to get to more parts. And they were thinking, how do we do this? And that's when Gutenberg invented his press. And this is what was interesting upon that invention of the press. There's nothing more... There has been nothing more that's affected the education of the, word than the Guten, of the world than the Gutenberg Press. The only other thing is the Internet. And that came years and years and years later. But what we see is there was a need, then something was invented, and then it changed and revolutionized the situation. Don't discount the need that you have in your life. God might be using that need to get you to the next place where he wants you because he's fixing to really do something for you. He's fixing to really reach those people because if you didn't have that need, you wouldn't be vulnerable and those people wouldn't come to you. But because they say, oh, you're human just like I am. You're a mere mortal. <laughs> it's easier to knock on those doors, isn't it? It's easier to come to those places. That need is not going to be, it's not that it's not going to be met by God. It's just not right now. But you still bring that need to God. Because he's using that need. Because he'll use all things to his glory. Amen? And that's what we see. And here's the final thing as we land the plane today. Three, God knows who's at his table. Let's all take a deep breath. Have you guys ever been on... Has anybody in here ever been on a blind date? Don't raise your hand. Yeah, okay. 
<laughs> I've never been on one, so this is good. This is good. I, but, but I have been in situations where I've been at a meeting, and you walk into a restaurant, and you've never met this person before, and you're wondering, how in the world is this going to go? You guys ever been there? Listen, God knows who's at his table. We don't have to worry about that. He, he knew that there would be Pharisees and scribes and sinners, and he knew everybody that was going to be at the banquet, that was going to be at the feast that night. He, didn't, he doesn't need us reminding him who's going to come over to our house. He already knows. What he said is everyone's welcome. What he says is an important place. What he says is there's things that can happen at the table. Matthew chapter 9, verse 12. But when we heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. See, he knows who's at his table. And I want you to realize that, that God knows who's going to come over to your house. He knows their situations. He knows their problems. And I'm not saying don't prepare yourself for that, but I want you to know that he knows. Let's take it a little step further. Some of those people that's going to be coming over to your house, that's going to be sharing a meal with you, that's going to be at the table, that's going to be vulnerable, you've been praying for those guys for years. You've been hoping that the light of Christ would shine in their life. Not because you're angry with them or because you're mad at them. It's because you know what Christ did for you and what he did for you. You just want him to be able to do that for them. And have you ever been sitting across from the table from somebody and think, God, do you even know what's going on right now? God, do you realize, and we all have those questions, but God wants us to know that he knows and we can trust him. He knows who sits at his table. He knows who you've invited. He knows what's going on, and he'll equip you and prepare you as, as you invite. For some, he knows that they need revelation or they need grace or they need goodness or they need salvation. We don't have to remind him of that because he understands and he knows. Do you guys remember Paul Harvey? Yeah, yeah, the famous tagline. Let's all do it together. Now the... Don't you wish you could come up with something cool like that, that the whole people... The rest of the story, Paul Harvey, he's an interesting case study. He began the show, I believe, in 1976, and he passed away. He did it until he passed away in 2009, in February. He did over 3,000 shows that were three to three and a half minutes long. And I remember as, and when I was a teenager in high school, I'd catch him on the radio, man, I would almost stop just to hear what he had to say. Because there'd all be some kind of twist in the story or some kind of inspirational thing. But then he would always say that tagline, and now for the rest of the story, as if we didn't know. And I was thinking about this about Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey knew the rest of the story for 3,000 people. But we serve a God who knows the rest of the story for the whole world. He knows who's at your table. You keep praying, you keep believing, you keep showing hospitality. Saying, God, the most important thing that we can do is that your light would so shine forth in us and through us that your grace and mercy would be felt. And when people come to our physical tables, they ain't never felt what they're about to feel. That we're almost in anticipation and can't wait because we know the presence of God is going to be there. Because as great as it is to get gifts and sit down and have good conversation, wouldn't it be great? January 15th, we look back and there's been some family members that's come into the kingdom of God because they ate a meal at our table. Amen. Would you guys stand with me? Now, I want us to ponder this for just a moment. 
God knows who's at his table. So I want you guys to understand this. If you're not saved, whether you're on the other side of the camera or whether you're here in our congregation this morning, God knows your need. He knows your frustration, your aggravation. He knows those doubts. You don't have to be anything you're not. When you come to Christ's table, it says, come as you are. And we here at Ray Hope just want to invite you to that table of salvation this morning. I don't know what's going on or where you're at, but I want you to know we do want you to be saved and have Lord, as Christ as your Lord and Savior. And as you come to that table this morning, it's going to take some courage. It's going to take some strength. It's going to take stepping out and say, well, I don't know really what I'm doing. That's okay. None of us did either. We just knew that what we felt was real. So I want you to know that. That in your situation, in your doubt, in your frustration, in your hurt, you can come to the table of Christ and he'll accept you as you are. And this is the great thing about Christ is he loves you too much to keep you where you're at. The change will come. You just keep loving him. But the first thing is you've got to truly surrender your life and say, Christ, you're Lord of my life. And for my brothers and sisters who are in the audience, I don't know what's going on at your table, but God knows. This is what I know is there might be some chaos, there might be some crazy stuff, or you might foresee that happening, but let me tell you something. It's a special place. It's a, it's a powerful place. It's a place of opportunity because God will move on our behalf. And it's his moving on the hearts that changes things, amen? And when that spirit of God is inside of us and we're saying we just want to be your light, we know that walls will fall, people will become vulnerable, and situations will change. This is what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. I want us to all come down front, if you will. If you would slip out of your seats, go ahead and come down front. I know that it's hard to move by yourself. That's the reason why we're moving together. If you're comfortable where you are, you can stay. There's absolutely no pressure. But kind of squeeze in here a little bit. We can't hardly talk about a family sermon and not dismiss as a family, amen? If you've asked Christ into your heart this morning, listen, we're here for you. And that is your personal decision. And we've helped you with the first step of coming down front. But this is not all there is to it. We need to visit with you and we need to talk to you. And I want to do that. Come up to me or Pastor Mike or Tanner and say, listen, I've given my heart to the Lord. What's the next step? We don't want to just tell you about Jesus. We sure want to teach you about him. But for brothers and sisters, as you look out and you say, man, what an opportunity I have. What a great time to be the light. You're absolutely right. But let's get real. That's going to take some work, some effort, take some spiritual preparation, amen? But listen, you're never going to have a better opportunity than you have now. So whenever they come to your table or you go to that table, we just continue to bring the light of the Lord with us and say, God, it's at your table that everyone's welcome. Help me remember that. God, it's at your table that you're going to move. It's at your table. So we all sit together. Look to your left and to your right and find somebody to pray for. And I want us to pray specifically for their holidays that are coming up. Pray specifically for times at the table in their life. And say, God, you move on their behalf. Let's make sure our table looks like Christ's table. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, our hearts are bowed to you. And we just 
pause a moment at the altar as a family of God. And we bring our neighbor to our left and our neighbor to our right, Father God. You know what they're experiencing this holiday season as they sit down at the meals, as they sit down at the family gatherings. Father, you know the the hard times, God, the, the difficulties, you know, relational situations, but we also know the excitement of being together as a family, Father. And we pray that, God, you would just be that light in us, that we would let you shine forth, God, so we can bring encouragement to the family, God, that we can bring strength and hope and do the things that you've called us to do, God. Help us to prepare ourselves spiritually for the opportunity, God, for the opportunity to be the light, God, to love the ones that you've called us to love. Father, you know the many things that's represented at the altar, the struggles, the frustrations, the health issues, the hurts, the wounds. And God, as we pray for that neighbor, as we pray for that person, God, that you would just move on their behalf, God, in their life. And only a way that you can move and we'll give you all the glory and the honor and the praise for doing it. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the coming holidays. We thank you for the greatness of fall and cold weather and all the wonderful things, God, that we've got to look forward to with family, with friends, with food, with all these wonderful things, God. And we pray that our faith would just shine forth brighter than any of it, God. Let us go out there, God, and do what you've called us to do with hearts of excitement, hearts of encouragement, knowing that you're on our side. And if you be for us, who can be against us? Thank you for letting us eat at your table. Bless these people in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone says, amen, amen. amen. We love you. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.